Today's episode of the Lions of Liberty podcast contains a tiny, tiny amount of adult language, but enough for me to warn you guys, just in case you need to hide the kids. Enjoy the show. Daddy, landlocked is stupid there. You, what are you talking about? Daddy, did we're surrounded by oceans, Dad, you idiot. <laughs> the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. All right, folks, welcome back. And, uh, you know, after, after a heck of a week of interviews here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, including episode 200 with Ron Paul. That's right. We had Ron Paul. If you missed it, click back in your iTunes feed, your Stitcher feed, however you listen to this show, or go to lionsofliberty.com slash 200 because we had the great Ron Paul, the man who in many ways inspired the work we're doing here at Lions of Liberty on the show. But, you know, a- after a great week of interviews, we're here with another one of our roundtable discussions And today we're going to be taking a look back at some of the latest news and drama in the Libertarian Party's nomination process for president, as well as touch on the recent Democratic debate. But it would be a really awkward roundtable, I think, if it was just me talking for 45 minutes to an hour or so. So I've I've got a couple fellow Lions of Liberty here with me today, starting with our venerable legal counsel hailing from Cleveland, Ohio, the home of the upcoming Republican National Convention, the mysterious man known simply as Rico. What is up, Mark? Love the Ron Paul interview. Good to be back on a Saturday morning for those who don't know when we're actually recording. Oh, you're letting them peer behind the curtain it already. Is. It's a beautiful day in Cleveland, and I would rant forever about all the patios at bars that are not open, but we have other things to talk about. So let's all go. Right. Well, there's plenty of time in the day for that. I'm sure you'll, exactly. you'll get into some trouble later on. And, of course, I also have uh, the man who often sits to my left but is now, well, I guess probably still to my left, but about a mile the other way uh, down the street here from me in Culver City, Mr. Brian McWilliams. Yellow, Large and in charge. Hello. How are things? Things are fine. It's a little early. My voice is a little scratchy. There's been high winds in Los Angeles. There have. So the, the, the Nino. Me. El Nino is here. Yeah, we're getting again. Nino'd all over the damn place we here. Sh- we sure are. You just honestly, I would figure with the amount of wind that was going, it was just actors talking about their passion projects all at once, just blustering it out there. But no, you, you don't need to test out your stand up comedy jokes on the podcast. It's, oh, I mean, don't I? <laughs> you don't need to. to I'm, just, I'm just letting you know. People love the LILDL. We might need to start because, a separate program for that because they want to hear the zingers coming from this mouth. Well, speaking of LILDL, that is, of course, the uh, acronym for our, our regular feature when we do this sometimes when we're all having a beverage libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor. LILDL, I don't know if it rolls off the tongue, but hey, that's what the letters worked out to. But, um, this isn't really a fully LILDL experience. Now, I am having a mimosa right now, and I know, Mr. Rico, I can tell you're already drinking. What are you having over there in Cleveland? Well, I've already had a few mimosas because it's a few hours later in the day here, and I also had a delicious beverage. It's a, a cider and a fireball concoction, kind of like what? a boiler maker. Uh, I don't remember what it was called, but it was awesome, and I'm going to drink it every day for the rest of my life now. That does but sound pretty damn good. Dare you drinking the Cleveland signature drink? I think it's just called Sadness. <laughs> I, I drink that daily. It's just right rubbing now, alcohol just, on the rocks. <laughs> I'm just drinking some Mexican beers to uh, get me ready for the rest of the day, whatever that may bring. But it's been a good start so far. Sounds like it. And what about you, Brian? Are you are you having an adult beverage or uh... – yeah, I succumbed. I was hoping you were going to try to. Did you really? Did you really succumb to the peer pressure? I was going to yell, "It's a trap!" Just like Admiral Akbar. No, I'm, I, I decided I'm going to sip on a uh, a Singdao, 
which I, I greatly enjoy. It's a nice, it's a nice, refreshing and crisp beer if you haven't had it from China, from the mainland. D- does and, this mean uh, that uh, that your your big plans that you detailed to us before the show, uh, off the record, that uh, you you were going to the gym after the show? So is, still is gonna it, do it. You're, so you're going to drink and then work out? Yeah, exactly. Okay, I mean that's one way <laughs> to do be it. Great. I was sweat out all the alcohol. And then probably pass out on the ground next to the uh, exercise. Well, great. Well, we're all on the same page then. That's really good to see. So this is officially an episode of Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. It's official, guys. So all right, welcome. We're back. welcome new listeners. I know we've got a lot of people over from Tom Woods, who's been plugging us a lot recently. And Jason Stapleton plugged us last week a bit. Ron Paul, obviously, has gotten us a lot of attention. So welcome to new listeners and old listeners. Well, I can't even believe you're still here after, after listening to this for so long. But thanks for being here. Now, we're going we're gonna to get right into things. There's been a lot going on. On since we last spoke, and I guess I'll start with the one secret thing that went on. We actually recorded a entire reaction show to the second part of the Libertarian debate, hosted by John Stossel, and uh, that show is going to live in infamy or never live at all because it has died due to audio gremlins or, or whatever you want to call it that often interferes with uh, our podcasting process, and frankly, we just don't have the willpower to to do it all again. So just know that we did in detail discuss the second part of the Libertarian debate We'll talk about the Libertarian candidates a bit, though, and, and we'll, we'll touch on some of the things we discussed in that show that will never air. So why don't we get into that stuff? I mean, we, we've we all seen both parts of the Libertarian debate. I don't want to get too deep into the specifics here, but let's kind of just touch on um, who kind of made the biggest impression, uh, I guess, compared to what you thought of them going in, who looked the best coming out of this thing, and then uh, we'll touch on maybe who looked the worst after that. So I'll start with you, Rico. We've established an order here. What did you think overall of the Libertarian debate? Who came across to you as perhaps the, the best messenger of liberty? Well, as I said a week ago in the podcast that we need not have done apparently, but uh, I thought Austin Peterson won. I was, I think, the only one who picked Peterson to be the winner. I thought he was the most articulate. I think obviously he grasped the concepts the best. I think he's probably the most intelligent of the, the candidates, at least in, in regards to the libertarian philosophy, although – his uh, presentation could use a little bit of work, his kind of intellectualism, his quoting of uh, Thomas Jefferson from, you know, to obviously whenever he uh, a few hundred years ago, these quotes and, and expecting them to be his uh, go to go to as far as establishing his overall uh, knowledge of the base. I, I don't know about that, but. He he does come across the best to me as far as his whole knowledge of the concept. So I think he he did the best there. All right, Brian, what about you? Did did Peterson come across the best to you, or were you did did anyone else catch your uh, your liberty eye? No, I'll say I, I did actually think Peterson did a pretty good job. He grew on me because I was not a big Peterson fan uh, going into this. I, yeah, I, I do agree that I think as far as you know, the theories of Liberty Go, he's pretty strong, but agreed the, when he starts quoting Jefferson again and again, it's just like, all right, dude, come on, let's, let's just talk, talk about the issues, talk like a real person, not like a, a Liberty robot, Libbot 5000. Um, and also just a lot of it came across as very canned. So that uh, put me off a little bit, but I also was really blown away by John McAfee. I loved him in this debate. I thought he came across as really passionate about it. He just naturally seems to he has the concepts down. He believes in them wholeheartedly. And my favorite thing about him is just the guy's got, you know, warts, as they call him, as far as, you know, some of his, his history and what he's done. Hey, that's but between that's between John it. McAfee and his doctor. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, 
we won't. <laughs> I won't go too into it. But he did did say that uh, my favorite line in the whole debate was uh, him talking about legalizing prostitution, and he's like, "Yeah, you know what? My uh, my wife, I rescued her from a pimp, and I married her." <laughs> it's like awesome. But he was actually making a good point there. I he mean, was. I, I don't I know if he, a great point. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it came across perfectly because I, I don't think he made the connection so much to the reason that he had to rest that there's even something to rescue her from. But I mean, the right. fact that prostitution was illegal meant that you know women have to go to pimps for protection, and obviously they often end up basically enslaved by these pimps. But if this was an actual business and and allowed on the free market in, in different countries, well, then, you know, you, you would just go to the store and they wouldn't have pimps. They would have yeah. bosses. Well, that's you essentially know? what, like, Craigslist used to be, or uh, I think it's called Backpages. Now you can get these these chicks or escort services. You know, they're, they're still pay- illegal, no. quote unquote. But it's I was reading some article about it. You seem to like, know a lot about this. Go on. Well, you know, you got to research, but you know you're going to be talking about it on LALDL. Okay. Uh, I don't remember prepping you on this topic, but I'll I'll buy your story for now. (laughs) They did research into it. They said it's it's actually been far safer for women since the advent of these kind of these online portals where they don't even have a pimp anymore. It's just direct customer to uh, to lady of the evening. And it just eliminates a lot of the dangers involved because they don't need a pimp. They don't need to be walking the streets. They can kind of get a feel for people ahead of time. So it's. You know, it, it just should be legalized in general. And uh, yeah, I, I loved his response to the question. Brian, for our listeners, could you further detail the specific process of um, So go to a- no. www. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you, you can private message Brian on Facebook for that. I there think. you go. Just find me uh, or tweet at me. I'll be glad right, to see so, you. So, so would you say, Mac, if he came across as your winner, I guess? He, without a doubt, came across as my winner. I, I just, I, I really love what he had to say. I loved his thoughts on economics, especially. I mean, he's a guy that's been there and done that as far as creating a business. He knows all the difficulties. Like, he had great points about, uh, as did Austin Peterson, uh, and if we're being fair, as far as the impact of regulation, uh, the impact that the government policies and taxes and all these different loopholes you have to jump through or uh, ropes you have to jump over uh, in as far as opening a business and being an entrepreneur. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought Mac became a way for me as the winner. I, I just think he's uh, a great candidate. I like that Austin brought up like occupational licensing, something that's not a sexy issue at all, but it is a serious issue. It's one of the main main things that holds many people back and holds many people into poverty because many people have the skills to braid hair, but maybe they can't afford to get a hair braiding license. And he brought up that example. And I mean, even my girlfriend sounds, oh, that's, that sounds like a ridiculous example. I'm like, no, that's a, he said that example because it's a real thing that has happened. They have been shutting down people who've been braiding hair. That's, that's how ridiculous it sounds because that's how ridiculous reality is. So I, I was glad that he brought up that issue. And I, I just can't see, I mean, look, there's one name we haven't mentioned yet. So I guess we got to get into it now because you guys mentioned Peterson, you mentioned McAfee. I'm kind of torn between the two when it comes to this specific debate because I do think Peterson comes across as really knowledgeable, really having a mastery over the specifics of the issues, but he does come across a little bit scripted, and I'm sure that's just – he almost seems over-prepared. He's so prepared that he knows his answer to every question, and it's just like he's almost reciting it back. I mean he comes across as passionate but just a little too scripted, whereas McAfee comes across like he just rolled out of bed and yeah, showed up. Zero that preparation <laughs> at all. Just but it comes across – in the back. Right. But it comes across well because it – he really impresses me with his – I don't want to call it mastery because that makes it sound like he's, he went home and like read a book for, for eight hours and learned something. But I don't think he did. I think he's just kind of stating things philosophically that he truly believes himself, not because he's been indoctrinated by libertarians for years. He just joined the party three three months ago. I mean when I spoke to him, he didn't 
you know, wasn't running as a libertarian, he, but he sounded very similar. So I, I tend to think that that's, these are really his true beliefs. And maybe they don't come from reading Ma- Murray Rothbard till 3 a.m., but they come from his soul and they come from his own thoughts on the world. And I find something refreshing about that, that he's not a libertarian nerd, but his actual beliefs do really, if you, if you get into him a little bit, tend to line up with libertarian philosophy. Well, a lot of libertarian, I mean, a lot of libertarian thought when you get into it, it just is common sense when you look at how it works, how the government impacts people. So it's not a surprise that a smart guy who's run a business like McAfee would come to the conclusion that, oh, you know, libertarianism makes the most sense. And it just is, as we've discussed before in different different uh, forums, a lot of the reliance on government comes from a pure factor of fear. And that's it. And people are scared. What if we don't have this? What if this doesn't have? What if the government's not there to take care of us? If you can eliminate that fear, I think people would be a lot more open minded to how things would work and work a hell of a lot better under a libertarian system. All right. So Rico says um, Austin. Okay. You have, you have more thoughts, Rico? Well, yeah. I, my question is, okay, for the people who aren't really familiar or deeply knowledgeable about the libertarian philosophy and you want to, you know, depict the person who is best going to convey the message, like assume a hypothetical scenario where it's Cruz and Clinton and the libertarian candidate on the stage who would you most want not not necessarily who you think won the libertarian debate but who do you want expressing or conveying the libertarian ideals and i think that person for me is austin peterson because i i think he's the most kind of knowledgeable person regarding the philosophy so i did like mcafee but in a hypothetical scenario where we could pick anyone to debate on the main stage i think it's peterson so would that kind of scenario change your answer at all as to who maybe you like McAfee and the libertarian debate, but would you want someone else on the main stage? I think Peterson will come across as the Marco Rubio of the libertarian party as ooh, of right now. Ooh. And I don't say that to, because I, you know, to say like, oh, he's, well, Marco Rubio also is a little bit youngish, you know, Peterson, I think is a little, he needs time to ripen. I think he, I have never seen Marco Rubio do a live stream from his car. So no, no, no. That's the what main I mean difference by that is that them. Marco Rubio was repeatedly nailed on having sort of cans, can bites to say. And I feel like Peterson is in that same vein where he's got very canned responses as we discussed. Well, so I in that way, he's the Marco Rubio. And for me, I think John McAfee would be the better candidate right now. Peterson, Rubio I say four can- years might be good. I think Rubio's responses were canned because there wasn't a whole lot of depth to him to begin with. You know, I think Peterson was his responses maybe sound canned because, like Mark said, he he's over prepared. But that's something that you can work with if you know what you're talking about to begin with. You can kind of smooth the edges off going forward and, and deliver your message in a better way. You can work on your presentation. You can't work on your knowledge. Which well, I think John McAfee's you know. got knowledge, though. And also, look at look at the success of Trump. McAfee is is in that Trump mold in a way that he, he can attract people. He speaks honestly, and people like the way he comes across. Like, I think people would actually really respond well to him in a general debate. And I think that he would probably be pretty damn glib and respond very well to a Trump if he was on stage with them. You know, like watching those two spar would be a joy and a pleasure. Whereas I, again, I think Peterson would be good, but I just don't, I just don't think this is the year for Peterson. I think maybe four years from now, I'd like to see Peterson out there. It's interesting. Cause they're actually really close for me. Like, I mean, I, I agree with both of both of what you guys were saying. I leaned McAfee towards the actual debate, but in terms of, who I want um, up there, I don't know. That's kind of tough. But 
I think we do have to address the uh, the elephant in the room now because we've been talking about Peterson and McAfee so much. So it's obvious that we both don't seem to think one guy was all that great, and that's the guy who is. He he used the the term actually on CNN. He called himself the presumptive nominee, and that's Gary Johnson. So why do we all seem a little bit deflated about Gary Johnson's performance and and Gary Johnson as a messenger for liberty and the ideas of liberty? Rico, well, I'll let you start. Sure, I'll I'll start, and we, I'll, I'll kind of echo what we said in the Lost podcast. And um, he, I don't know if he's taking it as serious as the other candidates. Maybe he's a little bit arrogant about the whole process. Being you know governor of New Mexico, he's like, well, I'm the only one with real political experience here. These guys aren't at my level. I you know don't have to put all this work in. But also, some of his answers are. <laughs> definitely not libertarian the whole question about you know should you have to uh, what was the question you had to bake a cake for a gay should, should a jewish well yeah but that that's like the overall question in society that comes up a lot but awesome apply it to a more extreme case which i think is a good thing because you have to apply it to extremes because that's that's the reality of it of these policies is that he said you know would you force a jewish baker to make a nazi cake with a nazi emblem on it for a nazi wedding or whatever and Gary Johnson basically said yes. I mean, Austin was smart to bring that up because it wasn't the question in the debate. Austin brought that up on his own. But uh, the fact that Johnson unapologetically basically says yes, he agrees that the baker should be forced to bake the cake for whomever if it's if it's a religious difference or a political difference. I don't know, man. I, I, I obviously I don't agree with it, but it's a lot of people gloss over the answer and like it's you know a trap question and and that you know we. Some people will say, well, Gary doesn't want to come across as, you know, uh, the crazy, you know, a uh, racist or, you know, whatever. But the fact is, it's really, really go- shows either a confusion or a lack of understanding about the act about property rights, about some of the actual principles that we're supposed to be standing for. Yeah, th- that that's ridiculous. I mean, th- that you couldn't be further away from libertarian ideals than making a private business perform some kind of action under threat of penalty for, you know, for an idea they don't agree. So uh, that's obviously just not consistent with what we're looking for. There was other answers too that were pretty bad. And in my opinion, like I I think he felt that the EPA was the only way to regulate certain pollution uh, and other activities. So he's definitely not against government action and, in spheres that we don't agree with. So uh, Gary didn't come across great to me personally. I agree, man. I, I wasn't a big Gary Johnson fan. And going in, the, based on a previous debate we had watched, uh, which was the one that was aired in the horrible fashion earlier on. The high school auditorium debate? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, with somebody shooting it on their iPhone camera. That debate, I thought Gary Johnson came across pretty well. But I guess that was also when you know McAfee and Austin Peterson were probably finding their sea legs. So now in this most recent one, I agree. He didn't come across well at all. And as I, as I mentioned, he also looked like a terrified bird half the time because every time he gets uh, interrupted, his eyes get all wide. He does he have really that like, he's like, Aah! he has that weird, like every time you look at him, every time they cut the camera to him, he looks like he was, he just realized the camera cut to him and he's shocked yeah. by it at all yeah, times. Exactly. It's just, I think that's just the look on his face. Uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's funny. <laughs> I laugh. I literally laugh every time I see him on screen. 
Yeah, oh, totally. And I do want to agree with Rico that I believe that Gary Johnson is very arrogant. He he believes he will have the de facto nomination, and he does believe in his ability you know, because he was a governor. But that also leads us into another topic we were talking about in the forum a little bit, uh, which you guys can join our Facebook forum, and we encourage you to do so. Ooh, a plug. I like it. Yeah, you can... You can join our private group on Facebook and join this conversation with us by typing in Lions of Liberty Forum in, in your little search bar on Facebook. That's our private group. Uh, we'll also link to it in the show notes for the show, which can be found at lionsofliberty.com slash 202. Proceed. Bingo. Proceed. So he has some baggage, though. He's he's bringing along with him from being the previous candidate. You know, we saw in the uh, – where was it? In a, in a recent debate, which I'm not sure where, where it was Let's just call place. it a recent debate so a we don't get debate, fact checked yeah. by libertarian but nerds. He was called out by Daryl Perry on having some 1.4 million or 1.2 million of, of uh, missing funds, I guess, that the FEC was looking for. And it, you know, it was like this back and forth between the two of them where Gary Johnson saying, oh, no, no, they just – that's a mistake. They just haven't taken off and it's going to this year and blah, 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 blah. So he's got that baggage. And additionally, though, I also feel like we had we had had a recent post from Judd Weiss, who is, of course, John McAfee's VP. And he was saying that the Gary Johnson campaign was doing some shady backroom dealings where they were trying to pay off their supporters and their the people that are working for them to stay at home and do nothing while still, quote unquote, working for them which is a very political move to make and shows you that Gary Johnson is a political creature far more than these other guys. And in fairness, we don't know the extent that these accusations are true. They are just right, this is alleged. the words of some people. Um, those people, I mean, to me, Judd Weiss is a reputable guy, I'm, but I mean, I, who knows? Uh, I, I just, I don't know the facts any more than anybody else does, so I'm not going to pretend to, but, you know, just to, to dial back for a second, the, the, We'll go. We'll try to go on the timeline here, but this kind of started earlier in the week when John McAfee posted. You know, uh, people have said that <clears throat> I'm not really here to be a part of the party to help the party, and that I would leave if I'm not the nominee. And he said that's not the case. Uh, but I will leave the party and not be involved if the nominee is Gary Johnson, and I have good reasons for that. And he kind of left it at that, but it was just kind of weird, um, and it, it pissed a lot of people off. I know because a lot of people said, "Look, this guy just came out of the Libertarian Party three months ago. He he wasn't a Libertarian. Hey, his cyber party." Flat platform on his website called for massive public works programs. That doesn't sound very libertarian. Now this guy is saying, well, if you elect Gary Johnson, I'm not in. And a lot of people thought, well, what is it? Is it because he doesn't think Gary Johnson is pure now? But but he is. But it seems like it's not that. It seems like it really is something more personal. And, and boy, have we come a long way since that taping when Gary Johnson kissed John McAfee uh, on the cheek. It seems that things are not, not quite as cozy now. Um, but yeah, I guess McAfee believes or says he believes, I, I don't know, so I'm not going to pretend anything is a fact when I don't know that it is, but that basically people from the Gary Johnson camp have been um, trying to buy supporters, uh, telling people they'll give them money to join his campaign, and Ah, it's a fine line, and and telling people they'll they'll pay for their uh you know pay for their their hotel rooms, and there's an accusation that they've bought hotel rooms out that are going to be empty just to prevent other delegates from having a place to stay. I don't know if there's any evidence that that's true. They believe it is, so I mean I don't I don't think Judge would put it out there like he did without him believing it was true. Uh, but that's what's out there. And I mean, I don't know the facts facts wise, but I do know that uh, out of everybody running, Gary Johnson is the one who has been a Republican before and been an, has been associated with establishment Republicans and has establishment people working for him. So it wouldn't shock me if they were just reverting to some sort of, you know, tactics that they've learned in their past, but it's certainly not a 
accusation I can really, you know, say is 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 clear. Uh, but it is clear that there is a lot of animosity towards Gary Johnson, and that that animosity is creating a lot of backlash as well. Because I've seen a lot of animosity towards McAfee for for saying this stuff, towards Judd for saying this stuff. And part of me just says, man, this is why libertarians don't get anywhere. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, look, they, look at the GOP, though, and the Democrats. Everybody, every party is like this. Good points. Well, it, it just, libertarians just argue over a much more it's easier, minutia. That's a good point. It's, it's definitely easier to say this is why for the libertarians, because they are a smaller third party, whereas, you know, this stuff is happening on the national stage with the Republicans and no one says the Republicans are irrelevant because of it. It's only because we, the libertarians are already perceived as being irrelevant that this sort of infighting will be magnified. And I don't think it's even magnified. Like, I don't think anyone that's not a libertarian nerd knows this shit is even going on. So (laughs) literally us and our audience and some other audience might not even be knowing it's going on. So, I mean, it's it's probably. Let me just make a point. When I first read the the Judd Weiss post, you know, detailing exactly what you just said, I'm like, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. You know, but, you know, part of me thinks like, isn't it kind of good in the sense that. A libertarian – well, if you want to call Gary Johnson a libertarian, assuming <laughs> he's a libertarian. We want eventually a libertarian president, right? And you're going to have to be kind of cutthroat to ever get to that point. So in a sense, I kind of – you know what? I kind of appreciate it in a, in a way. Oh, no. Rico's going libertarian neocon on us. Well, you know what? It probably is <laughs> I'm not going to bomb thing, anyone. But, <laughs> Look, you know, Rico's right. It's probably a common thing that happens all the time. And I was going to ask this question too. Is is this just something where it's, oh, shame on Gary Johnson? Is this what politics is all about anyway? I'm sure this it happens is. all the time. Do you think like Ted Cruz hasn't already plotted out this kind of strategy and probably Trump's learning about it and getting all pissed? It's like, shit, why didn't we think of that? And of course, Hillary is doing every dirty trick in the book to you know prevent Bernie Sanders from being president. And we hate those people. Would you sacrifice a little bit of ideals? And I don't know that they're doing yeah, – it's not right, but I'd much rather have a libertarian get to the office by doing some kind of – you know, underhanded tactics. Oh, there, there's my there's my soundbite. I'm going to clip mm. off to smear you with <laughs> yeah, for the next ten years. And here's Rico. Uh, he just he's all about underhanded tactics. Well, hey, you know, honestly, I dirtiest if, player in the game. If it'll get <laughs> if it'll get a libertarian <laughs> to the White House, I'm all for it too. Let's go all. Let's go full Whitewater. Or not yeah. Whitewater. Let's go pull. Uh, Can we just talk know, about Rick Flair for the next twenty five minutes or so? Uh, I'm in. Well, Hulk, I mean Hulk Hogan. Brian already sat through a, a, an hour podcast mostly about Hulk Hogan, so we'll try yeah, not to get too deep. I could do the, the next stuff. four days straight about Ric Flair without going to bed. So I'm <laughs> this is true. I could too. Um, but you know, there's 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 kind of a fine line between dirty politics and just po- regular politics. Like, I mean, someone made a good point in our forum. Like Austin Peterson is trying to raise money to get his delegates to Florida. So if Gary Johnson really, even, even if it's true that he bought hotel rooms for his delegates, like, is that, that crazy? I mean, if someone's pledged to be a delegate for him and they need money to get to the, you know, to get to the convention and need a place to stay, it's not, is it unethical to actually buy someone a hotel room? I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe no, it's that's un- part of the course. I mean, maybe buying out all the hotel rooms, which I'm, you know, which, I'm shocked. Which honestly, I'm not saying it's not true or is true because I don't know either way. But there's, I've seen no evidence that that's true. No. First of all, Orlando's it, a big city. Yeah, I mean, there's there, a lot of events going on. They didn't buy on. all the hotel rooms in Orlando. Maybe <laughs> the delegates are going to have to take a cab to the convention now instead of staying right there. But come on, 
Gary Johnson does not have enough money to buy every hotel. <laughs> well, not if you believe that he owes the FEC like one million or yeah. whatever. Well, unless hey, if you, if Gary Johnson simply became a Scientologist, he would rule Orlando. That's where all those jerks are based. Clearwater and Orlando. So maybe that's where his money's coming from. He's a secret Scientologist. In Allegedly. a weird way, that might Allegedly. make me support him more. Church, so, let's a stick. half block away from me. So. <laughs> Is there? A- well, we have about 17 of those churches in Los Angeles. You know, one of these days I actually want to go into one of those Scientology places and just take their little test. You know, they, they hook you up to their, I don't, I forget the, the magnetometer. That's not what it's called, but it's some weird machine. They hook your fingers up and they ask you like 10,000 questions so they can figure out what thetans are in your brain. I really want to go do one of those just to like mess with them. Or maybe I'll get, but the, my feet, that's my fear that I'll get sucked in and yeah, I'll be like, oh my God, I do have feet in. a cult that sold uh, Dodgers tickets and Pizza Hut coupons before, Mark. I don't know if you want to risk going into Scientology. <laughs> if I didn't already talk about that in an episode of this program, I'd be mad at you for calling <laughs> Question that. one, did Jamie Foxx steal Katie Holmes from Tom Cruise? Go. <laughs> Wait, are they have an item? I didn't I know they were a couple. Know. They're together? I don't I, Per all the tabloids. All right, now for your pop culture report. Your Us Weekly. Wow, good for you, Rico. Yeah, well, I go to the grocery store. All right. So when we're talking we about tabloid it. news, I need to drink uh, some more of my mimosa. So that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> you guys chat. I'll be back. All right. Well, I, I say, are we done with libertarian talk? Do you guys want to get into the Democratic? We're never done with libertarian that? talk. Um, but well, yes. libertarian debate talk specifically. First of all, um, I'm pissed because apparently I'm the only one who watched that whole two-hour Democratic debate. I watched two I separate two-minute clips, to. Rico. Two we, separate clips. Four minutes I saw. We're busy guys, Rico, and, you know, that's why we need you. We need someone some... with unlimited time on their hands to watch <laughs> these debates with us. <laughs> I work occasionally, too. Hey, you have a child you can neglect all night long, buddy. We got <laughs> we got social lives. Did Jordan watch any of the debate with you? I just revealed your child's name. I hope that's Oh, right. no. Jordan O. WWE Network on, and he was good. So okay. <laughs> that's what I recommend for any kid. I recommend and just 24-7 Ric Flair clip, clips to uh, raise your Just violence and razor blades across the forehead to cause massive bleeding. All right, I do want to touch on one more thing about the libertarian the libertarian drama, I guess we'll call it. Uh, I, I did actually like the one clip we, we watched I sent to you guys um, where not the part after the part where Daryl Perry tried to you know call out Gary Johnson for um, – by the way, Daryl Perry – a week from today, a guest on this podcast. So, we, Mark, if only Gary Johnson here. would come on. He could defend himself against these accusations. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Let's put it that way. For, he does seem to be the hardest candidate to get a hold of. I'll say that because everyone else, no problemo. Wrapped him right up. McAfee interviewed. Peterson interviewed. Daryl Perry interviewed. Uh, Gary Steve Johnson. Bell, who's, I guess, out of it. And Gary Johnson can't big time me because I just had Ron Paul on. And if Gary Johnson is going to big time the show that had Ron Paul on, well, that's one way to piss libertarians off. Let me tell you. So, Gary, come on. Man up. He might he might not know. I've reached out. I mean, who knows where these emails go to. But I'm working on it. Hoping to get Gary Johnson on sometime in the next month. Anyway, uh, but w- the one thing I did actually like, I, I mean, I liked when Austin Peterson said that Gary Johnson has said if we're not in the debates, then, you know, that's the only chance we have. And he he says something that I believe to be true, despite the fact Gary Johnson does have this lawsuit. I don't think he's going to be successful. Um, I, I hope he is. He should be. But I don't think he will be. Um, he has a lawsuit to get into, into the debates because the debates are controlled by the Presidential Commission on Presidential Debates. That's not the actual name. I definitely messed that up. Who cares? It is co-owned by the Democrats and the Republicans. So, I mean, why would we think they'd let a third party in? Anyway, but hope. But and I, I don't have any reason to believe courts are going to side with him either. But so... Austin Peterson calls out Gary Johnson and for that thing, for that comment saying that he said it on CNN, you know, if, if we don't get into the debates, we have no chance. And Austin said what I believe, which is, look, we're not going to get into the debates. You know, we can try. We should keep trying. But 
if you're banking on that, you're basically saying we can't win and we can't achieve what we want to achieve because that's not going to happen, Gary. He said, when I'm not let into the debates, I'm going to show up there. I'm going to be live streaming. I'm going to be there at the debates. I'm going to be doing everything I can to disrupt the system and, and publicize it. What are you going to be doing, Gary? Are you going to go home? Are you just going to hang it up because you didn't get to the debates? And Gary just gets fired to Gary. And, and finally, that's what I was waiting for. I'm waiting for Gary Johnson to get fired up. And it took Austin F. and Peterson to get him fired up, which is exactly what Austin Peterson said when he was on the show, episode 197. You can find it at lionsofliberty.com slash 197 when I asked, you know, Austin, why he was focusing so much on Gary Johnson. And he said, because Gary thought he was just going to waltz into this thing, waltz in to be the Libertarian nominee, not have to think about the issues too much, not have to campaign, campaign too much. And if I don't win, I'm going to at least make Gary Johnson a better candidate. And this, to me, was evidence of that because finally I saw Gary Johnson get a little fired up and say, no, they don't decide the debates till a few weeks before the election, and I'm going to fight all the way till then. And I don't <clears throat> see Gary Johnson as normally a fired-up guy, but he got fired up here. And I think that's what I want out of my libertarian candidate. I want someone who gets a little fired up. And it shouldn't take Austin Peterson trolling you to get you fired up. You should already be fired up because there's so many fucking injustices in the world. And I'm slapping my desk right now and cursing because it's there's so much true injustice that libertarians should be focusing on that if you're not coming in a little bit upset and a little bit fired up, then you're not the guy I want. So well, I think Gary Johnson's a little late to the party because the Angry Birds movie is already coming out. So his audition <laughs> is months Hi, late. I'm Gary Johnson, star of Angry Birds. <laughs> Vote for me for president. Wait, there's a movie, Angry Birds? Yeah. Dude, you have a kid. You should know this if anybody. I knew there was. Well, I, it doesn't star Ric Flair, so he wouldn't know. Exactly. Nah, Stars either. Josh Gad, who is also the voice of Frozen and every other cartoon movie that's come out in the last five years. Wow. Oh, as long as we get some good information coming How out. How much is fun. Angry Birds playing us for this plug? That's what I, that's what I want to know. Free games, free downloads for everybody. Hopefully Excellent. a lot. All right. So, anyway, any more thoughts on Gary and, and, and that whole thing, or, or should, is it time to move on? Yeah, moving on. I'm the host. I should be deciding, not asking. Well, you're asking, <laughs> not asking, asking permission. <laughs> no, I know. I did ask. It's true. All right. So let us move on. And uh, <laughs> luckily we have Rico here because, you know, look, Brian and I, we're happening dudes. We're hip. We're living in Los Angeles. We got a lot going on. We didn't have time to watch the Democrat debate. But luckily, <laughs> luckily we have someone who had plenty of time on his hands because he lives yes. in Cleveland, Ohio. So there is nothing but time. So can you give us maybe just a... Maybe just a brief overview of what you learned. I don't know if learned is even a word we can use here, but what uh, what did you get from this Democratic debate uh, this recent Thursday? Is there anything we haven't seen before that should be noted here, or is this just another run-of-the-mill deal? Well, you're right. I, I didn't have a karaoke night to host, so I, I had plenty of time. But uh, God damn so it, much Gary, uh, Bernie Sanders pisses me off so much. I can't even take it. <laughs> And what makes it even more annoying is 95% of the shit he says is so dumb. Like, it's, it's mind-boggling that anyone listens to him. But then he'll throw out things that are completely on point, which, like, for example, he uh, indicated, you know, we need to rethink the war on drugs. Well, okay, we've been saying that forever, but then he kind of limited it to just marijuana, which... Okay, that that's not nearly going far enough. Um, then he also said regime changes often have unintended consequences. Yes, thank you. Um, and uh, 
the other thing he put about was, you know, we need to invest in jobs, not incarceration. Now, I don't know about the federal government investing in jobs, but sure as shit, we should not be funding more and more incarceration. So he has some good points, but they're so kind of lost among all the dumb shit he says. <laughs> and I, I can't – Oh. And I, I think I emailed you guys like I can't take all the idiocy that he spews. Um, I, you know, have you guys? I'm sure you've seen the interview where he talked about breaking up the banks as he always does, right. and the person questioned him. Okay, well, okay, uh, how the banks have too much that? power. We've got to break up the banks. <laughs> so, so this was the best part of the debate where they. Uh, oh well, I, let me skip back because Wolf Blitzer was in charge of the debate. And oh, if no. you guys remember the Republican <laughs> debate where he was in charge of, boy, was that fun. I think he actually um, left to go to, to the bathroom in the middle of the Republican yeah. debate. So I actually made a note of this. Wolf lost control at 930. So the <laughs> debate started at 9. It ended at 11. He was doing good for the first half hour, and that, that was counting commercial breaks. So it took him 30 minutes for – Everyone to walk all over him like they did at the Republican. And there was only two people. And he's like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. It's like, just quit, Wolf. You're, you're done. So anyways, he was terrible again. Good job, Wolf. Let's move on to the CNN. But uh, I forget where I was ranting about. So. Well, let me ask you this. Was Hillary Clinton wearing a burlap sack that was dyed again? <laughs> yeah, she definitely stole her clothing from Kim uh, Jong-un. Oh, Seriously, anyway, uh, yeah. every goddamn debate was the same oh, yeah. stupid outfit. Uh, okay, I remember what I was about to rant about. So anyways, they, um, they asked Bernie, you know, okay, about the banks again. He's like, we need to break up the big banks, obviously, because that's going to solve all the problems. And uh, they asked, okay, well, how would you do that? And he said, well – we, after about a, a lot of hemming and hawing, he said, "Well, we kind of let have to have the banks figure that out." <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> That's like saying you need to ground your kid, and when determining what their punishment would be, you, you really got to ask the kid what the punishment. <laughs> right. Would be. Hey, we're gonna hang you for this your crimes. This idiot but, uh, is running you, for you president. You tie the noose yourself and figure Unbelievable. out how that's all gonna he work. He also ignored know. the, you know, when he talked about the recession, the housing bubble, he. Completely ignored the fact that the you know Community Reinvestment Act was a big problem. In other news, Rico's son endorses banks Bernie Sanders. <laughs> give loans to people who wouldn't otherwise qualify for loans, and shockingly enough, they defaulted on the loans. Maybe that had to, you know a little bit to do with it. You know, he doesn't bring that up. It was obviously all bank banker greed that led to the uh, you know recession back or the housing bubble collapse in 08, 07. The guys at the at Goldman Sachs and all these financial institutions that they this reporter asked them, you know, what was in the speeches, and she basically was a rah rah cheerleader for the financial institutions. There was no admonishment whatsoever. There was no "you guys are terrible and you can't do this anymore." No, it was all "I love the financial institutions. I love what you guys did. You know, there's a problem, but we can figure it out. We're going to do it together." Because you don't pay somebody two hundred fifty thousand dollars to come and bitch at you and be like a stern den mother and be like, "Man, shame on you." Yeah. So it's all horseshit. She should just release him, but it would kill her campaign. And the other thing in this report, which was fantastic and I love, is, you know, Bernie was questioning whether Hillary was qualified or not and basically saying she was unqualified, essentially. Now, when he opened this debate, I saw a clip saying, oh, no, she's qualified, but really she isn't. And this is what this reporter had said, is that basically Hillary Clinton, while she was a senator, which she always likes to crow about being in the Senate, 
she introduced 140 bills. Guess how many of those bills passed? Anybody? Two. No guesses? Zero. Well, Zero. Okay. Zero out of 140. Wait. Zero. Guess how many of them had a even one co-signature on the bill? Zero? One. Exactly one. one. <laughs> she did a hell of a job. Yeah. What, what a great submission of bills. Like, to get no signatures on your bills, wow. that means these bills are utter fucking trash. That's but, amazing. Well, Those are amazing sets. Yeah. What, what, I mean, that, that is astounding. But if you look at our last couple presidents, um, were they qualified for anything? I don't know. Arguably not, but I mean, hey, at least there's not a, a – you could look back and see Hillary Clinton has failed in everything she's done. As a senator, utter failure. As a first lady, utter failure. Well, how Nothing do you fail passed. as a first, as a first lady? lady I, none of her why am I defending happened. Hillary Clinton, but how do you fail as a first lady? Because none of her – everything she wanted to do failed. She was trying to get pushed through universal health care. <laughs> how do you fail at a fake job? I don't know. Well, look. It happened. She failed. Nothing she was trying to do got pushed it's through. It's literally a made-up job that is – failed at a senator, and then she failed. Failed at secretary. She got his, all, all this shit with Assad, all this shit with Benghazi. She has been a failure. And then all the stuff, all the money she's filtered into the Clinton Foundation, selling arms to people they donated to it. She is awful. She's failed on every possible level. Yet people still support her because they're fucking morons. Okay, she's terrible. Let, let me bring up some of the terrible Hillary um, highlights. Please I do. Guess. I don't know, whatever the word would be. Okay, from the debate. One, she there was a lot of talk about gun manufacturer liability, which blows my mind. Okay, so apparently, and Bernie, he kind of stood up to it. He's definitely not as strong on the Second Amendment as he used to be, but you got to think, well, that's part of the you know whole process of running for Democrat president, but. Uh, you know, obviously, we talked about this before, probably a few months ago. But she obviously thinks that you know the manufacturers of the guns allegedly used in Sandy Hook should be liable because someone used the gun to shoot people, which is insane. Obviously, guns aren't made to be used in mass shootings at schools, but okay. Um, she also said. That it was a bigger disaster in Syria, keeping Assad, than if ISIS was <laughs> completely unchecked in Syria. Well, that's the Not interesting exactly. thing because there's reports coming out that that the the uh, the forces that were backing there in Syria are going after Assad forces and not ISIS forces. So uh, it seems that her influence, or at least her her line of thinking, is actually closer related to what's actually going on in the ground. Yeah, which apparently she would prefer ISIS in Syria than Assad. Okay, well, that's one way to look at the world. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that one. I mean, I'm no, like, uh, Bashir Assad uh, 2020 fan or anything here, but uh, clearly ISIS is a barbaric organization that should not be preferable to just about anything, right? I mean, can we all agree on this? Apparently we so. all can't because <laughs> Syria or Hillary has a big thing to say about this. Uh, she wants Assad gone, even if whatever the guy's name. What, what's the guy's name that leads ISIS Baghdadi or something? I don't know. Um, apparently Andrew Bargnani. He's an NBA player. <laughs> Let's go with that. Bargnani allegedly. On the off chance that someone hears this show and actually reports that as news, let's just go with it. I we'll think go with Johnny Isis. 
<laughs> Johnny Isis. It. It's a great name. Johnny Manziel's new name, Johnny Isis. Everybody. Did anyone go to the Johnny Manziel party in West Hollywood? I wasn't invited. I no, didn't know it happened until really after it happened. I'm sorry. That's off topic. He already got a hit and run under his belt, so that's pretty yeah. impressive. Well, we're about 50 well. 50 off topic anyway. So. Doing well. And the other thing that she, you know, um, she mentioned, which I'm sure Bernie agrees about, is they were going on and on about where we're going to raise new revenue to pay for all of this crap that they want to pay. So one is they're going to find new ways to uh, make passive income taxed. They're going to raise the social security cap, which, you know, um, for people who pay taxes, there's a limit to which you pay the social security tax. I think it's like over 140,000. You're not further taxed. Well, they're going to raise that limit to, to, pay for more social security so expect a lot more taxes in your future so um she was pretty terrible in the debate too in my opinion here's a question from the perspective of let's just presume that we really want to see the libertarian party which isn't really an assumption that everyone would hold if you're have libertarian beliefs just for the record because a lot of people might not think the libertarian party is the best vehicle for that but just let's presume that for now for the point of this conversation Presuming that the growth of the Libertarian Party itself is the is a the best I guess political pathway towards liberty, or towards further liberty, or whatever your your goals are in that sense, do you prefer a Hillary Clinton who might polarize more people and maybe push them more towards a third party option possibility, or do you prefer Bernie Sanders who, despite all the dumb things he says, as Rico pointed out, and and how ill thought out many of his policies are, the fact that he does seem to have some amount of principle uh, that are at least at least comparable to Hillary Clinton, anyway, if nothing else, which is not a high bar to set at all. Um, would we rather at least take away the option of Hillary Clinton being president because of how scary that is, and compared to Bernie, at least is benign on more benign, I guess, on some things like the war on drugs, like foreign intervention, even if he's not as printable, nearly as principled as we like him to be, which is the more preferable scenario? What do you guys think about that? And uh, we'll go Brian on this one, since Rico just got to talk about the Democrats for about two I'm hours. I'm to the point where I'm a little torn on it, mostly because I'm so terrified of Bernie Sanders tax initiatives that would just add like fourth like for me personally something like fourth but here's the thing he's gonna need like a republican congress to do that he will i agree you know it doesn't i don't want it to go through but i'm not that afraid that it will i don't know i'm a little i'm a little worried about it but i would say overall i i hate hillary clinton so much and everything she stands for that i would say that i would prefer bernie to go through even though i do agree it's interesting to think about the, the concept of how mad people would be if she got through um I hate to be cynical, but I honestly believe that 99% of Bernie supporters will default right back to Hillary out of fear of Trump or Cruz or whatever their perceived, you know, evil on the right is. I agree. I agree. I think you're right with that regard. People are the people that are Democrat. They have a D next to him. They will not leave the party. I I mean, almost under no circumstances will they actually leave the Democratic Party. And I would love. I'll still vote for Democrats because we're still better than the other guys. It's like. Forget, well, there's a third party, assholes. There's and, other parties. You and we're going to find out. Else. We're going to find out because I know so many people that are like saying well, – they're talking all this trash on Hillary, Bernie supporters, posting stuff about how corrupt Hillary is, all this stuff in order to advance Bernie's campaign. And I'm really waiting until Hillary is the nominee to see what they do. And even if what they did was support Jill Stein, the Green Party nominee, I would at least be able to say, okay, you have some principles now. You know what their principles like I 
disagree with. Yeah. At least you're being consistent here. But I just, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think they're all going to go, well, as much as we don't like Hillary, at least she's better than Donald Trump. At least she's better than Ted Cruz or whatever comes out of that mess. I, yeah. I think most of them are going to default to that position at the end of the day. Because history has proven that. Thoughts? Well, there's a lot of different thoughts I have about this. One, just watching Hillary in the debates, it, it kind of amuses me because she's so obviously condescending towards Bernie. She just kind of has this smirk that it amuses me. She's like, I can't believe I still have to debate this guy, blah, blah, blah. You know, she, she's just kind of like, so he's the little brother, kick him in the corner, forget about him, whatever. But as far as who I'd prefer, I guess I would take Bernie. I think Hillary is a lot more intelligent and a lot more uh, – I think she knows what she's doing. As far as the unqualified, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. I think she definitely has the intelligence to, to be a president. I just don't like what she would do as president. My concern – the only reason I would take Bernie over Hillary is the foreign policy because – Hillary would obviously bomb the shit out of everyone. You saw what she did as Secretary of State, nothing good. Whereas Bernie has said, look, regime changes, unintended consequences. It's more towards the Ron Paul school of thought, at least on that aspect. Everything else he says is so idiotic, it's mind-boggling. But if you could take a Bernie presidency with a Republican House and Senate, at least his economic policies won't go through, as I think we've probably discussed many times before. Yeah. Neither option is good, but I, I just don't want to be in a million more wars. So yeah. that's well, where Hillary fails. By the way, 1.2 on, and this is just something I, I picked up watching these recap videos of the debate, was Bernie Sanders talking about, you know, they got it to the minimum wage, of course, because Bernie Sanders loves a $15 minimum wage. No matter how horrible that would be for everybody. I'm sure uh, he did a lot of math to come to that exact number. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> I definitely need to speak about this. I, I've, done the, I've done the calculations. <laughs> I've, I've done the math. I have my slide rule out. And I've determined that the best yeah. wage for minimum wage is $15 an hour. <laughs> He's so goddamn stupid. One, he, he railed about the $12 minimum wage. You know, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. But that's $15 than- an hour, great. Boom. Everyone's living the high life. <laughs> I, okay. Well, Because, of course, 15? we live in a vacuum where that just happens and no other prices go up anywhere accordingly in the marketplace. And it doesn't bankrupt businesses in, like, Modesto, California, where they can't support in any way a $15 minimum wage. <laughs> Couldn't he have read one book on economics in all the years he's been in the Senate? Like, just one. Pick one. Any, anyone. Or read a column. Even God economics for dummies. Read a column. <laughs> Jesus. You know what's funny about that? Even Paul Krugman, who most uh, liberty-minded folk would think is terrible on issues, although I actually think he's okay on one or two things out of 10,000. But uh, anyway, even Paul Krugman yeah. said Bernie Sanders' economic ideas are ludicrous. Yeah. Probably because he's a Hillary shill. Don't get me wrong. I know the, the motivations for these statements, but still, it gives you some perspective. Uh, hello, some perspective. <laughs> hello. Here's here's the other thing I wanted to mention, though, in regards to the economics. Is Bernie Sanders, in regards to the minimum wage, also brought up the fact that America has gotten screwed on a lot of the trade deals, which may be true. It is true. But do we really trust Bernie Sanders to be negotiating <laughs> trade deals, <laughs> like knowing what we know? What's he going to do? He's just like, listen, China. You've got to raise your minimum wage to $50 an hour or at least 75000 Kwai. Like, what the fuck is he going to say? I, I don't trust him to negotiate shit. 
there was actually a pretty good column in reason about that um, regarding the fact that Bernie would basically be sentencing a lot of third world workers to their poverty right. death because if they're not going to trade with the you know these countries because they're not paying their uh, you know workers enough, then those workers are not going to be paid anything because there's they're not going to be doing anything and they're going to die of poverty. I'll but, tell you. No, go ahead. Oh no no I don't, I don't remember what I was going to go from there. So that quickly <laughs> you had a butt you were already at butt and then gone. <laughs> yeah, just I just like a lot of drinks this morning. That's how easy an interruption can just throw that's, someone. That's off pulling people. a move out of my book where I like to interrupt without knowing anything I'm going to say. I'm like, it'll come to me as I start to speak. Wouldn't it be just ironic if I was just going to say? Wouldn't it be ironic out. if I didn't know what I was interrupting for and I just <laughs> I just ruined everything for everybody? My we statement's go, gone. What? Hey, hold on. Huh. Also, another point I want to make regarding these third world countries is Bernie Sanders' economic policies, which pisses or not economic, his uh, green policies, which tie into economics, also piss us off, obviously, saying that he wants to go all green energy and yada, yada and force these other countries to comply with the ecology. Because that also, on top of these these people now not being able to work because we're not trading with them, if we put through all these environmental policies, that impacts the third world countries if they actually do it more than anything else. Like in an, in an industrialized first world country maybe we can deal with it we'll just have to pay three times as much for energy but these people in poor countries they can't do that they're not gonna put out solar panels and windmills from what i can gather bernie sanders wants to go around the world pointing guns at everyone else even though he doesn't use those that terminology and forcing them to use green energy and if they can't afford it i guess they're effed but they should be able to afford it with their hundred dollar an hour minimum wage or whatever he would also install What's going to be hilarious is with Bernie Sanders, if he gets elected, he'll be known around the world as the Great Destroyer. He'll be like the State Puff Marshmallow Man. He'll be like Zool. Okay, but my biggest point in favor of Bernie Sanders, which by far supersedes any of the policy positions, is that if we could get a Bernie Sanders presidency, we could have four years of Larry David on Saturday Night Live doing Bernie Sanders impressions. Now, that is a vote of confidence. Yeah, but what are the odds that they convince Larry Sanders or force him? Larry Sanders. Larry Sanders. I don't want to say because he just died. R.I.P., yo. Larry David. They're going to force him to do one of those things where they're like, he'll be like Saddam had 15 doubles. Larry David will be the double and somebody's going to shoot him in the head. Oh, that'd be terrible. And then we'll lose a national treasure. We don't want that. Okay, so now I'm anti-Bernie again. I there flip, you go. I flip back around. It's that easy. Yeah. Oh, all right, folks. So the only, the only, well, the only party we didn't touch on. I mean, there are a lot of parties: the Green Party, the Constitution Party. But uh, out of libertarians and the majors, we didn't touch on the Republicans. And screw it, I don't want to. So goodbye. <laughs> we will not talk about them because we spent so many damn days doing Republican, you know, Republican reaction shows that. Honestly, I'm not sure I care who wins the Republican Party well, at this can point. Can I just make a very quick okay. point about it? Since this. you live in the okay. city where the convention will take place, I'll allow you yes. one point. And I'm trying to get out of it for, for that. But anyway. But the whole, you're trying to um, get the whole city out of it? <laughs> trying no, to get I, Cleveland? I'm just trying to get out of town. And, oh, okay. You know, yeah. whatever. Everybody's been trying to leave Cleveland. Wait, I thought we were all coming to your anyway. house for this it. Now news. I'm totally I'm confused. just going to sign with wherever LeBron leaves. Breaking <laughs> news. Everyone trying to leave Cleveland. <laughs> Johnny, LeBron, Rico. We're all the same. <laughs> You're all going to share an apartment in L.A. and get into hit and run next. <laughs> all the time. I think the uh, Republican nomination is done. I think Cruz is winning. I don't really see – just briefly, Trump isn't going to win enough delegates before the convention and he's not going to win on the first ballot and Cruz is going to have done enough behind-the-scenes work to win on the second or third ballot or whatever. I think it's done. Any – 
Republican fantasy about Paul Ryan or Mitt Romney. What about John Kasich? What about your boy? Your man. Um, oh God, the real Johnny about. Ohio. How long do you want this podcast to go? Because he just <laughs> totally flip-flopped about his whole gay marriage thing the other day. Did he? Oh, really? um, he was decent on it. That was like the he, one issue he was okay yeah, on. Yeah, and then he's like, no, 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 no. That's not what I said. It was terrible. So I don't know what the I don't know what he's doing still in the race. I, I can't. He must have some kind of strategic goal. But anyways, Cruz is winning on the second ballot in the convention. Trump really only has him to blame because he didn't do enough legwork. Cruz was prepared and Trump wasn't, and and that's going to be the end of it. You're going to have Cruz versus Hillary, and uh, go from there. So don't worry about it. But on Cruz, I think you may be right. Cruz will lose in a landslide versus Clinton. Yeah, probably. But I think there's also the point where as if Trump was the Republican nominee, they also may get killed in every other election, the House, the Senate. And uh, it might be better for the country as a whole just to have a landlock. Or, I don't know, what a landlock? What the fuck am I talking about? Oh, no. Rico wants to make... To be at loggerheads. That's Rico's uh, presidential campaign for 2020. Jordan's yelling at me through the door about something. I don't know. Make America more landlocked. Daddy! Landlocked is stupid there. What are you talking about? Daddy! We're surrounded by oceans, Dad, you idiot. <laughs> but anyway, right. you know, a uh, stalemate, so to speak. There you go. That's Republicans and <laughs> that's uh, the House and Senate and uh, blah, whatever. Re- Republicans, House and Senate. Okay. Yeah, it seems like a natural end to the podcast. I right? agree. I think it's time. <laughs> it's, I think Oof. it is the time to sign off because I'm on Mimosa number three now, fellas, and it's, it's things are going to get weird before, before they don't. That's basically how that goes. Uh, it's been fun. It's been a while since we did one of these, especially one of these that didn't get – garbled in the uh the audio gremlin machine so it's it's been fun talking about all these topics talking about the libertarian drama as much as i don't like to see weird campaign shadiness at least there's like a fight this is the first time i can remember like a battle for the libertarian nomination and i don't know makes me feel like it's important yeah it's great nothing to say else. it's fun Makes it fun. It is fun. It's it literally gave us like a half an hour of a podcast to talk about. So pulling and rich. So thank you, John McAfee, Gary Johnson, Austin Peterson, and Daryl Perry as well for chiming in and in, in a little in the drama because uh, you know otherwise we would just have Rico talking about Democrats for twenty five minutes. And, and rest in peace, Feldman. We got facts. a lot more to talk about. Huh? Does anyone have a Feldman, Feldman fact we before we go? Me. I'll take that as a no. Okay. <laughs> Guys, it's been great for joining me. Quick preview. This coming Wednesday, I actually, to take a turn from the unserious to the very serious, I have a, actually an amazing guest this coming Wednesday. He is Dr. Mark Edwards. He is not a very known name, but he is very known for what he uncovered, and that is the Flint water crisis. He is literally the man who came into Flint and, as a private citizen with his own money, uncovered the fact that Flint's water in Michigan was being poisoned and um he's not a nationally known figure because that's not he's not out there trying to uh, be a figure he's out there trying to solve right and wrongs and i was really happy to talk to him and we're going to have that interview this coming wednesday of course on friday we've got another edition of felony friday john odermatt's weekly look at the broken criminal justice system and next monday as i mentioned hey, earlier special guest on felony friday coming up uh, who's that is you're that talking you? to him is that you all right i didn't know so i'm <laughs> glad i'm glad i've got an expert here brian mcwilliams this coming Friday on Felony Friday. And next week, next Monday, Daryl Perry, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Libertarian candidate for president. So always something going on here at Lions of Liberty. Until next time, folks, I've only got one thing. Hopefully my friends here will chime in with me. I've only got one more piece of advice, and that is live 